Welcome back to another episode of Circles Edge Media. In this episode, my brother and I will be discussing the upcoming USDGC, as well as breaking down a few holes and talk about who we think is going to win this year. The United States Disc Golf Championship, otherwise known as the USDGC, is played in the same place every year. That's Rock Hill, South Carolina at Winthrop University. Um, the 2020 layout consists of a standard 18 holes, but the layout changes a little bit every year, and this year it is 10,104 feet. This course will test on uh, your the length on your drives. It'll test uh, test your accuracy. It'll test different types of throws, and uh, and also it'll test your uh, mental fortitude. So you were telling me about some interesting facts that you read online about qualifications and who can come to the USDGC. Let's hear those. Yeah, so the USDGC is considered the second most uh, prestigious uh, tournament in, in a given year. And it's a tournament that lots and lots of people would be interested in participating in. Um, there's different ways you can qualify um, to, to go. If you're a past year's winner, uh, you're automatically qualified, I believe, for life. I mean, if you won one year, you're uh, you're in for as, as long as you want to go on a yearly basis. One quick side note is that, yeah, we both read online that Nate Sexton qualified to go to this year's tournament, even though he hasn't played at all this year due to COVID. Since he won, he automatically gets to take place in this year's tournament. That's pretty cool. Yeah, kind of a cool prize, right? A lifetime invitation to, yeah. to the tournament. Um, another way you can qualify is to have a top finish at uh, at other certain um, top level pro tournaments. Um, have a you know a certain I'm not sure if it's a top five or a top ten finish. Um, also, I'm trying to think of the other one one that I heard of. Um, oh yeah, if you were top ten um, in the previous year, so those that finished top ten last year uh, are automatically invited to this year's. Okay, Matt, let's break down some holes. You can start. Okay, I'll start with hole five. Hole five is considered one of the most iconic holes on the course. This is one that we've seen different layouts for over the years. Uh, based on the layout for last year, uh, this is a, um, a par five, 1,025 foot hole. Um, and this is a hole that, that runs, uh, that features a big lake in it. Um, based on last year's layout, um, you have a downhill tee shot um, toward the lake um, and then um, and then along the right side of the lake, kind of along the shoreline. And then and then a long shot over the water that'll be probably a minimum 300 feet over the water to get to a uh, pin, uh, a green area. If you're feeling like you want to play it aggressively, um, you can try to make the green in two, um, one shot down to where you're close enough to the lake and then a second shot. Typically, a more conservative play will be used where um, two shots to get to a good landing area and then a third shot over the lake. And one of the more challenging and memorable holes on the course. Yeah, you're going to have to be a very aggressive player to try to get there and two, there's only a handful of players that have that elite level distance. But of those elite level 
distance throwers, how many of them would actually be gutsy enough to try to make it there in two? A very, very small percentage of the players. Yeah, kind of like we've talked about in in other podcasts, it's always weighing the risk between being aggressive and maybe getting, you know, maybe a birdie or an eagle score compared to playing more conservative, maybe settling uh, for par, um, but kind of taking big numbers out of the equation. You're not going to be getting maybe a double or triple bogey if you're conservative. So it's all about kind of weighing the risk and the risk reward, which is kind of, I think, a theme of the entire tournament. Let's list some players who we think has have the distance as well as or gutsy enough to try to make it there. I think Anthony Barella is one that has high distance as well as very, very gutsy when it comes to certain holes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're talking about players that that do have that elite distance, players who like to put on a show, players that that maybe you know, that they get pumped up when they can go for, you know, something amazing. Yeah. You know, like a, an eagle shot. Somebody like a Garrett Gerthy who who has who has great distance. That's a great example. Kind of the, you know, a lot of players kind of like to, you know, kind of like I mentioned, to just get themselves amped up by going for going for something risky and a high, a high reward kind of a shot. Paul Macbeth fits the bill as far as distance, and he can be gutsy on occasion, but oftentimes when he is, it comes back to bite him. He'll go OB or get a nasty tree kick or something. Yeah, I think it was just last year when we saw Paul, who would just come off a world championship, and come to this this particular tournament. And it seems to me he started off really hot, played really well, but then quickly started to add the big numbers to his score, going out of bounds, adding penalty strokes. And he was soon so far out of contention. that. And so this tournament is all about, is all about your risk reward. Like I said, it's about, it's going to be about weather conditions. I mean, we've seen very hot, no wind conditions, you know, stormy conditions. And so, a lot of players, you know, they'll come in with a game plan, but then they'll then they'll just kind of, based on feel, whether they feel like they want to go for it, if they want to just lay up and play conservative, it'll just kind of depend, I think, on just on the player and on how they're feeling that day. Michael, why don't you tell us about um, the hole that you had, had pinpointed as one you think is interesting on this course? Okay, that's hole six. It's 371 feet. The hole is right on the edge of a pond, but there's sand in in the surrounding area of the pin. And players can either throw a backhand out over just over the grassy area and then have it kind of scoot up to the basket if they're lucky. Or you can be riskier and throw a, a forehand out over the water then have it come back and hopefully land on the sandy beach. Yeah, and I know that this is a hole that, that the players mention that over time, um, the trees, kind of, there's kind of a little line of trees as you get closer to the hole. The trees, of course, every year they're going to get a little bit bigger and bigger, and that kind of affects the angle of your shot, the angles available uh, to access the pin. 
And so there are a variety of different shot types and and, and different options. And, and then again, the conservative option. If you want to just take your par three and just play conservative, that's definitely an option. Yeah, so hole six, we just watched um, last year's tournament coverage, and we watched Nathan Queen throw a backhand and it scooted up right to about the edge of where the sand meets the grass. It was probably like a 40 or 50 foot shot that he made in two. He made the putt from that distance. Pretty impressive on that kind of a hole. Yeah, especially for a lefty. I mean, it's the, the shot oh. he made was not... I forgot he's a lefty. Yeah, it's That's it's right. not really made for... The, the shot he took was not really made for a lefty, but he he made a beautiful turnover shot that... Uh, that took him right down close to the the sand area. Okay, Matt, let's hear about hole seven. Hole seven, always an interesting hole. It's going to be one of the shorter holes on the course. Last year's layout had it at 284 feet. That kind of seems to be typical of what we've seen foot-wise over the years. And, and this is just kind of in an open field, uh, but with one... Uh, memorable obstacle. They have a kind of a large bamboo, I would say kind of a bamboo gate with, with kind of a doorway through it. And this will definitely test a player's accuracy. And um, we've seen all kinds of different shots. We've seen... Because the player has to throw through that gate. Yeah, I'm glad you, yeah, brought that up. Yeah, you have to go through the gate, um, otherwise you're getting penalized. And so you see all kinds of different types of throws uh, to get through there. The gate, I would say, is about, would you say about 40 feet short of the pin, around something around there? It's got to be really close. Yeah, it's not, not too far off. And we've seen, we've seen forehand hyzers, backhand hyzers, um, straight putter shots. So a lot of different ways that you can try to get through that. And we've seen some great shots that go right through the, the bamboo gate, right up to the pin. We've seen lots of shots hit the bamboo and, and bounce back and uh, just kind of a, a very unique type of obstacle that they're working with. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's a pretty fun hole. Okay, I'll jump into the final hole. That's hole 17. Only 249 feet, probably the shortest hole on the course and one of the shorter holes that the pr professionals will play in general. Um, the basket is positioned between a pond and a row of hay bales. And here's what makes the hole very interesting. If you go long or come up short, it's considered OB, out of bounds. There's a very slim landing zone that the players have to land in in order to be safe. And we see numerous players come up short. Very few go long, but this is a hole that players can easily get a five or six or more shots on. Yeah, this is kind of your classic make or break type of a hole. And being the 17th out of 18th out of 18 holes, uh, also, especially when we come down to the final round, there could be a lot riding on it. You know, a close contest, maybe a stroke or two difference in the players and and oftentimes a tournament will, will come down to this hole in large part where, where you can very quickly see a couple of errant drives um, out of bounds. And the player has no choice but to re-tee if he goes out of bounds with a penalty stroke. 
Yes, there's no drop zone on this hole. They just no have to bring team. Okay. I want to talk about James Conrad really quick on this hole. He's my favorite player. But he threw and went out of bounds, I think, twice in a row. He ended up winning the tournament, but just that one hole instantly dropped his score, and he was then neck and neck with at least two or three other players for the championship. This exactly, hole, this hole really did. can decide who wins and who loses. Because he had built, it seemed like, maybe a seven or eight-stroke lead. That's what I was thinking, too. And that lead evaporated in just a couple of bad tee shots. And, yep, your margin for error is just so slim on that hole. It's It really makes for a really exciting finish to the round, to the tournament with that hole. It really I'm sure does. It's, I'm sure it's in, in the back of every player's mind as they're, as they're on the back nine coming up to... Number 17. That is a hole that I would definitely like to try. I think that'd be really fun. Okay, it's time to talk about um, some players that we think might be in contention and uh, some players that uh, that we don't expect to be anywhere near the top of the leaderboard. Um, uh, Michael, anybody come to mind oh, when, when you think of somebody? Jeff who, who Bennett. Might... <laughs> Jeff Bennett. His preparation game is on point, but his execution is not <laughs> can't argue with that okay let's talk about players who we think will win matt start us off just list a few who you think are the most likely okay so it seems to favor somebody that can pick and choose the times to be aggressive right that uh, that, that kind of knows how to balance out you know the risk and reward you know we've seen players like uh, nate sexton uh, win a few years ago boy i mean i would say i mean i think somebody like ricky waisaki you know might be somebody and i believe that ricky waisaki is as great a player as he is and as many victories as he's had in his career i don't believe he's ever won u.s disc golf championship i don't know that and he's yeah he's a player i mean they don't come much more skilled than him with forehand and backhand and all kinds of different throws and and a tough mental game, so yeah, it might be might be the year for Ricky to get his first uh, USDGC victory. Calvin, extremely talented player, really long thrower, can be aggressive but also can play it safe. He won't be lacking in confidence after coming off a win. Yeah. He's got all the got all the talent and skill. You know, James Conrad won last year. Maybe he can do it again this year. Yep, there's certainly, like we said, I mean, one one hole can one hole can uh, can really put you behind the eight ball, as, as it were. And it often seems like it comes down to kind of who can survive, who can survive the the big numbers, the penalty strokes. But it's a tournament that we always really look forward to seeing, and it's a tournament where you, know, you get really the best of the best. Well, that wraps up this podcast, talking about the USDGC 2020 here in a few days. Matt and I would just like to thank you all for listening to these podcasts. <laughs>